Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. So you've been playing in the same fantasy league for years, and it's fun. You know, it's great. You got your two running backs, your two or three receivers, your flex. You made it a fab league. Maybe it's half PPR, whatever. But you're, you're looking for more. You want some suggestions, some ways to make your fantasy league a little bit more fun, like maybe trading fab throughout the year or you know different ways to set a lineup. We've got some wacky ideas from our listeners. We've got some ideas from Ben and from Dave and from Ben Schrager. We're going to help you make your leagues even better and make you enjoy fantasy football even more. And we're going to do some rankings disputes. Tom Brady, we'll talk about him. James White, Adam Thielen, Evan Ingram. Here's a fun stat for you, James White. Um, in the last five seasons, there have been 28 times where a running back has had 60 or more catches. In 10 of those 28 times, the running back has caught five or more touchdowns. So that's 10 out of 28 times. James White has three of those five or more touchdown catch seasons. Doesn't happen that often, but James White is pretty damn good at it. Will he be able to do it again? Uh, alongside Dave Richard and Ben Gretsch and eventually Ben Schrager, I am amateur poker champion Adam Azer. Oh, no. And good day, everyone. <laughs> You're not a champion. <laughs> we need to be very clear about this. Let's be crystal clear. You, you, had, you had a child and, and needed to quit, did well, but we were dead even in chips. Mm-hmm. And so you literally forced me to chop the pot because you had to go. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I get. I said, all right, you know, but I wanted to play it out. And then what happened? And then we did play it out. And, and what then happened? we said, okay, I actually had more chips. We said, okay, we'll just go all in. I go all in with a 3-2. You go all in and you get pocket nines on the hole. We go, the hand we go all in on. That's not so exactly what happened. I actually beat you a couple of times previous to that. And then you went all in. And I, think I still had more chips in you at that point because then we had to do a second hand. And then you knocked me out. Okay, fine. Well, whatever. I feel like a champion. And I hope you all were able to watch us on Twitch on Tuesday night. Next Tuesday, we'll be doing a mock draft. So it's twitch.com slash FF today. It's 7 p.m. Eastern. And it's we're having a lot of fun. It's really cool. And um, thanks for thanks for being there if you were there. Dave, you know, uh, well, the second half of the show is going to be dedicated to ways to spice up your league a little bit. But you were trying to start what seemed like could be the most fun fantasy league I had ever I would have ever been a part of. Uh, it got canceled at the last minute, but you were going to start a league last year. I hope you consider doing it again. Talk about it and what you're going to do. All right, everybody. Buckle up your seatbelts. This is how this is going to go down. It is a... Buckle up your seatbelts. What, did you just get off the phone with the DMV or something? Uh, <laughs> 12 team, he did. 12-team auction. Everybody starts your starts the auction with 200 bucks, and maybe that's even the buy-in for the league. Who knows? And you can spend as much or as little in the auction as you'd like. Whatever you don't spend becomes your fab for the rest of the year. 15 roster spots. You must start one quarterback, and you must start 14 of the 15 players each week. Scoring would be... We, we, we never really quite landed on the scoring. It's probably going to be something along the lines of four points for passing touchdowns and half-point PPR, half-point first downs, something like that. And, uh, yeah, just like a whole big... Um, fantasy football knowledge challenge where we see who can build the deepest roster and score the most points from week to week. So you could start 14 quarterbacks? Well, good luck getting 14 quarterbacks, but sure. Well, it's an auction. You could spend, you could spend all your money on all the quarterbacks, I guess. Yeah, but then it... You know, the, it might overvalue quarterback. Maybe we need to put a limit on how many quarterbacks a, a team could have, or maybe we do team quarterbacks and you can't have more than two. Maybe something like that would have to happen. I, I everybody should buckle the seatbelts, but I'm not sure if the car is working perfectly well here. <laughs> I do, I do think that even with a quarterback limit, it would be pretty crazy to see what type of teams people would build. And um, yeah. My favorite part is that everybody's a flex except for yeah. The I mean, quarterback spot. The two things I love about this, and I, I I'm excited to try it too, are the flexibility. Like you said, everybody's a flex, and I mean Adam makes a point that's true. Like quarterbacks, the most scarce position, so maybe there's got to be some type of limitation there. But otherwise, like you could do 
crazy things with your roster. And then the second thing, which we're going to talk about later in the show, I'm sure, but just like the, the deeper roster idea that you were saying is, is like such a, let's like, I love leagues like that. I play in a couple. I think all leagues should be like that. Um, I think it's great to have a league where you have to start 14 people and, and people in the league are going to be starting, you know, relatively uh, rotational players, but like that still matters, you know, like those players still matter. And I don't know. I think that's, I think that's a fun way to play personally. Yeah. But it's, it's not even this, it's not necessarily deeper rosters because 15 roster spots is fairly typical, right? Sure. Um, so it does behoove you to leave some fab. If you're going to lay top of your head, what do you think? you'd spend in the auction and what do you think you'd leave for fab? Because remember Dave said you get 200 bucks for your auction. Whatever you don't spend is your fab for your fab budget for the year. Uh, $0 bids, Dave. Uh, maybe in the fab. Yes, but not in the auction. Obviously. Oh yeah. Right. In fab. Uh, so how much would you save? How much do you think you'd spend in the draft and save for fab? You if know, you have $0 uh, bids. That makes me go a little higher. Like I would probably, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, but I'd probably no, no, go a I little, bet, I bet we're going to have the same answer. Yeah, I was if there was no zero dollar bids in FAP and you needed that money to be able to make transactions in season, I was gonna say like seventy five percent or eighty percent on the draft. Uh if I can make zero dollar bids, I might go eighty five percent or ninety percent on the draft. Oh That's man, I, I was thinking more yeah, like no, not the same answer. I, at yeah, all. I was gonna spend like hundred and forty bucks and leave like sixty for fab or something like that. Right. But so I I would have gone and I who knows what I'll do when, when this thing comes up, but um I would say maybe 125 as a as a floor for how much I would spend, and if I managed to find a couple of good values later on, uh, I would spend more than that and be totally comfortable getting maybe right around where you were saying, Adam, which is 150 or so, which isn't too far off from 80 percent of the total budget. But it it it's it's a it's an interesting league, and I think with all the smart people that we have. Uh, at CBS Sports, it the results could be really interesting, and the fact that there—I don't know how many bargains there would necessarily be. Remember my twenty-fifty rule that we use for auctions. This is just regular auctions where you want to save at least twenty percent of your budget for the last half of the auction. That goes out the window here because there might be somebody willing to spend ninety percent of their total budget on the auction, and I'm not sure how many like great bargains there will be right and a lot of times the bargains are a quarterback and that's not going to be the case here right uh, i just want to read i have a league up now decimal scoring four point per passing touchdown half ppr did you say if yours was full i'm sure it was full right it's always full no this one is half ppr half first down oh interesting. which is just okay. like the fishbowl half first down like passing first down as well or just rushing and receiving? any first down is worth half a point interesting okay which so, i like a lot better than ppr by the way okay you mean receiving though not court quarterbacks don't get a point for passing for a first down no oh that's what i said rushing and receiving first down okay yeah. all right all right so um so uh okay anyway i'm looking at a league that's four point for passing touchdown leagues half ppr no first down reward i don't believe here are your top, I'll just read like 20 players, see how many quarterbacks there are. Lamar Jackson was barely ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Eight more points. Um, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. So that is, what, five of the first six players mm -hmm. are quarterbacks? Then you have Michael Thomas, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes. And then we will get some non-quarterbacks in. Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott. Followed by Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Dalvin Cook, Jared Goff, Austin Eckler, Jimmy Garoppolo, Philip Rivers, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Very, very quarterback heavy. All right. Cool stuff. Uh, I hope we can play it this year. It's a fun idea if you guys want to give happen. it a shot. Let's yeah. do it. All right. Now I have to drop one and of my And if there's leagues. enough interest from, from <laughs> listeners, maybe we'll do one like it for the listeners. Oh, yeah. We could do that too. CBS Fantasy Football Platform is the best. That's where it'll be. You need to be playing on it. Uh, you, it, I'm not biased, by the way. It launches on Monday, so that means we're going to be releasing our new rankings, sleepers, breakouts, busts throughout the week. We've got four episodes of this podcast plan to get you ready for the 2020 season. you got to tune into CBS Sports HQ. Go to the website, cbsports.com slash fantasy. Next week is a big, big week. Uh, a lot of good content coming out. And Mock Draft Tuesday night on Twitch. So fantasy uh, twitch.com slash FF today, twitch.com slash FF today. The link is in the episode description. I'm giving you guys 10 minutes for this rankings dispute segment and I'm sticking to it here. So don't spend all your time on the quarterbacks. 
All right, first rankings dispute is Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Dave, a little higher on these old dudes than Ben, maybe because he's older than Ben. They're 7 and 8 in the rankings for Dave. They're 11 and 12 in the rankings for Ben. And there are three players specifically that Ben has ahead of Brady and Brees that Dave has just behind them. Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, and Matthew Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz. It's those four. Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz. Ben has those four ahead of the old guys. Dave has Brady and Breeze ahead of them. Ben, you have the floor. I mean, I I don't really have a huge negative take on these guys as much as I just I like Josh Allen's rushing ability. I like Matt Ryan's passing upside. I, I think they're gonna throw a ton again every year. Dirk Cutter's been the coordinator in Atlanta. They've thrown a bunch. Um, I think they led the league in passes last year. Uh, I've talked a lot about Stafford. Wentz is, for me, is in a different tier than Allen, Ryan, and Stafford, and he's right at the top of the next tier with Brady and Breeze. Um, and I, and I, I think there's cases for, for Brady and Breeze, but I'm actually more interested on, on Dave because I, I think it's kind of aggressive to have Brady at seven and, and or Breeze at seven and Brady at eight personally. So Tom Brady finishes a top 12 fantasy quarterback last year with absolute junk at wide receiver. And now you're you're taking him and you're putting him in Tampa Bay with not just Godwin and Evans, but Gronk too, and a fortified offensive line, and Bruce Arians telling him, "We don't want you to check it down. Go ahead and chuck it deep." Uh, that's that's a recipe for great fantasy success, especially when you consider that their run game is a big old orange and white creamsicle colored question mark. I, I think Brady's going to throw a bunch. I think he's going to be very good. I think he'll finish in the top ten. And, and I think he's got a great chance to get well over 4,000 yards and 30 total touchdowns. I don't know if I can say the same thing for Josh Allen. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm not certain, even with all the rushing prowess he has and what we've seen the first years, I'm not sure if he can do it. And Drew Brees was great last year. He just got hurt. He was second in fantasy points per game at quarterback. He was second in consistency. He's been great nearly every year he's been in New Orleans. His schedule is amazing. His receiving core got better. His offensive line got better. They don't even have tough back-to-back games until you get to, like, November. So you guys, you go ahead and take your Josh Allen. And, and Matt Ryan's a tough one. Like, he's he's got all kinds of potential to be great, but we've seen his, his, his inconsistency on a yearly basis kind of spawn itself. Stafford, if, if that run game gets going like I think it will in Detroit, even if it's a little bit, I think that hurts Matthew Stafford. And I don't think the Lions necessarily want Stafford throwing the ball 30 times a game, 35 times a game. I, I think the old guys are going to put up numbers again. And I really love the idea of waiting for them on draft day. I don't think I can get Brady in the double-digit rounds anymore. But in our drafts, Drew Brees has been going late. And I've been loving it when I've been able to get him. Brees has not shown any statistical decline. He's just not throwing as much. But yards per attempt, completion percentage. I mean, his completion percentage is just getting better and better. He's, he's still amazing. Um, I'll just quick follow up though. Do you guys still think Tom Brady is a great quarterback? Because the last two seasons, he's been the number 12 quarterback in fantasy, but on a per game basis, he's been like 17th, 18th in that range. Do you, and there are obviously questions about how good he is at this point. Do you think Tom Brady is still a great quarterback? I think he's good enough to be fantasy to be. I I agree with a lot of what Dave said too. I don't don't really hate those guys um, for fantasy. I think Brady's as good as Jameis Winston. Good enough to be good in this offense for fantasy like Jameis Winston was. Okay, let's go to our next player. It's James White. He was 29th in non-PPR. This is going to be a PPR discussion, though. It should be with James White. He was uh, RB18 last year. Dave has him 32nd. And Ben has him 44th, and he catches a lot of touchdown passes. Five touchdown catches in three of his last four seasons. That's just rare for a running back, even one that gets as many catches as him, I would say. Uh, so, Dave, you're higher on him. You got him as a number three running back, James White. He's one of my favorite number three running backs, bench running backs to get in PPR. He's given you at least 10 PPR points in 12 of 15 games last year, 12 of 16 the year before. Last year, the 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 floor was good, but the ceiling was right there with the floor. I uh, only had three games with uh, 10 plus and non in 2019. And I think only three games with 15 plus in PPR. So if you're looking for yardage and touchdowns of plenty, I don't see James White giving that to you, but he's going to have his role in the offense. And Jared Stidham, if he is the quarterback, if it's Brian Hoyer, then no one is going to be that exciting to have in New England. But 
Stidham to me, I just from watching his college film and I haven't gotten around to the preseason and I don't know how much I'm really going to watch his preseason film from last year, but I, I think he handles the pocket well. And I think he does a good job of running like a, a simplified offense where you're getting the ball out quick. He definitely leaned on his slot receivers. He definitely threw screens to his running backs and dump offs to his running backs. I don't think James White's role is going away. I think he's still going to be uh, in that exact same passing downs role that he's been in the last couple of years. And when I'm looking for running backs toward the back half of my fantasy draft, he, he's going to stick out and there's going to be a lot of people who go, Oh, I don't want him. He's the Patriot and Patriots offense is going to suck or, Oh, he's old. I don't care. He's still going to catch anywhere from four to eight passes per game. He'll get decent yardage off of that. Maybe he falls into the end zone. Perfect type of running back to use on bye weeks or uh, or as a flex. Okay, not so much, Ben? No, I mean, I think he – Dave kind of laid out the, the places where you can draft white. If Like if you're doing a zero running back or something like that, I think these types of, of receivers make sense. But um, – I, you know, I think about a whole range of outcomes. Adam, you noted that he's caught five plus touchdowns three times in the last four seasons. That's really high for a running back. I don't think he does that without Brady. Like, I think those touchdowns come down immediately. Um, he had 12 TDs one season as well because he had five rushing touchdowns as well. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I, there's no way that he can kind of match that type of no. scoring and statistical prowess. But I also think, um, you know, the big question is like, wh- how much does this role change? Dave's right; like, he's gonna he's gonna still be their passing downs back. But um, I, I think there's a really good chance this offense looks a lot different. I think Belichick's probably going to try to win this year based on defense and running the ball. I, I think we'll see a little bit more of Damian Harris, who we didn't see at all in his rookie year. If they took like they took him in like the third round, and obviously Sony Michelle is still there. Um, I think there's going to be more of a ball control, low scoring type of old school offense. We know he's always kind of fit as personnel, and he, he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore, so I don't know why they would throw a bunch. I actually think if they're they, really but, bad, it, it is good for White, but I don't know how horrible they're going to be. I think they're just going to play low-scoring kind of defense, ball control, boring-type games. I think that hurts White's receiving upside. I think that hurts his ceiling in particular. He's been able to have a really high ceiling, especially in 2018, but now to me he's just one of these boring pass-catching backs with no ceiling, and I would only take him in certain circumstances where I need to actually – potentially start him uh you know like a zero running back type build or a one running back build where i didn't take my second back until the eighth or ninth round uh assuming he's you know fallen to that point but otherwise like this is an older back and a much worse offense who's not going to catch the passes or get their tds that he used to get okay would you guys rather have raheem mostert or james white in ppr mostert mostert for me too okay would you rather have Keyshawn vaughn or james white vaughn, vaughn. Any any running back with a semblance of upside is going to go before James White. Right. But James White, I mean, he didn't have a special year last year, and he was still RB eighteen in PPR. Right. You he, know, like you they, know they tried you, to be defense and running last year too. They threw. They did talk about how ball, bad like the R, the low end RB ones are. Like they they they're disappointing. They're just the guys who stayed healthy. So you're saying he was RB eighteen in PPR. Like in in some respects, it's just because he stayed healthy and played. 15 games. He had 900 total yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, but you have ranked in the 40s. <laughs> What's that? You have ranked in the 40s. I'm not telling you to rank him 18th. No, I know. I, I, I like again. He had 900 yards and six TDs, 70 catches. I don't think he gets anywhere near 70 catches. I don't think he gets anywhere near 900, 900 total yards without Brady. Like I, I think those numbers are coming down. I don't think he's getting to 18. I'm just saying. Also, 18 for a full season line compared to like you know points per game, it looks different at running back. Well, I'm curious to see what. Let me see where he finished points per game. I'll come back to that. Let's go to our wide receiver. Obviously, we're going more than ten minutes. Unfortunately, Adam Thielen is. Uh, you, you guys, never, you never thought we were going ten minutes. I, I thought maybe twelve. I don't think we can make up time on Adam Thielen if you want. Well, you guys don't have him that different in the rankings, but I know you wanted to talk about him. If you want, I can inject a little drama here. I had been taking Adam Thielen in the second round in all of our mock drafts after the Stefan Diggs trade. I'm gonna pull it back. I, I think there's just too much of a chance that they barely throw the ball. And I went and I looked at. I looked at the five teams that were that had the fewest pass attempts in the NFL and their leading target getter. And George Kittle, I gave him a 16 game pace, it was like 122 targets. He was the only one on those five teams that had more than like 106 or something like that, like 106 pace. So there's too much of a chance that Thielen is just a victim of their offense. But I will say, if if they if he gets like 120 targets, then he's going to be second round player. 
I think. I just I think you have to be concerned about the injury and the age because he's been banged up two straight years, and you have to be concerned about the, the how much they're going to throw the ball. But if their defense takes a step back and they have to throw, I think Thielen's going to be amazing because he's great every time he gets the ball thrown to him. Um, but I I guess I just need to bake in the risk a little bit more. But where would you guys take him? I mean, I th- I think that's a good summary of of Adam Thielen. And it's kind of a simple argument because they're, they, they've removed Stephon Diggs. They're replacing him with, with Justin Jefferson and Tajay Sharp. And yeah, with all credit due to, to both of those fine, fine athletes, I don't think either one of them will have a chance to lead the Vikings in targets. And I think Thielen might lead the, targets, uh, lead the Vikings in targets by a mile. We know that he's got a good connection with Kirk Cousins. We saw it in 2018. We saw it at the beginning and the end of 2019. But what stood out to me with Thielen, and this is particularly in the case of a team like the Vikings that wants to run the football a lot, his success was predicated on how well the run game was going. And just to tie it into fantasy, 8 of 15 games in which uh, a Minnesota running back did not have 15 or more PPR points, Thielen did. He got to that 15-point mark, and and in 2018, he got to the 20-point mark a lot. Only a third of the time over the last two seasons, five, uh, I'm sorry, a quarter of the time, five out of 20 games, where a Minnesota running back had 15 PPR points, Thielen also did. So if Dalvin Cook doesn't hold out and he shows up and he stays healthy and he's awesome, I would not expect a good year from Adam Thielen. And if Dalvin Cook gets banged up or he holds out or the Vikings defense isn't 100%, then Thielen's going to be well worth that second-round pick that you've been taking him with. Yeah, and we've talked, Dave, you and I, obviously, about how some of that stat is tied into game script running back score points when they're leading and when the Vikings win, they're, they're going to run the ball. They want to run the ball. It's not a lot. It's not very dissimilar to um, who's that guy that we talk about. Oh yeah. AJ Brown. <laughs> um, you know, the Titans are going to run the ball when they're leading and they want to. And Thielen's situation is not very dissimilar to that. I just don't understand why he goes so high. And, and as, as a 30 year old before the season starts, just coming off a hamstring injury, um, you know, compared to somebody like Brown, who is an emerging young player whose ceiling might be, uh, ahead of him as opposed to Thielen, whose ceiling is probably behind him. I don't know that he's going to go that high. I think that it might just have been me because I think I think uh, ADP might might put him more toward the end of the third round, you know? And, you know, maybe that's where everybody's going to be more comfortable with Adam Thielen, but we shall see. Uh, Evan Ingram is our last guy. He, you know, believe it or not, he was on pace for like 100. He was on pace for 136 targets last year. If Evan Ingram gets 136 targets... He's gonna. He could be a league winner. And the weird thing is, he didn't even have that high of a target share in the eight games he played. It was lower than Kelsey's. It was lower than Kittle's. It was lower than Waller's. So um, the Giants, obviously, their defense stinks, and they threw the ball a ton. But Evan Ingram is eighth for Dave and fifth for Ben. Ben, uh, first word on Ingram. Yeah, I think we've talked all offseason about how tight end five is where things get tough, and you kind of have a preference. We know Dave likes Higby. He's talked about him. Um, Ingram for me, it's the targets and, and yes, he's injury prone and, and that's true. And, but you, you totally talked about his, his target pace. Um, he's been that way essentially since he, he joined the NFL, uh, three years ago, he's also been injury prone since he joined the NFL, but he had 115 targets as a rookie in 15 games. He had a good start to 2018 before getting hurt. He had a good start to 2019 before getting hurt. You know, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the injury prone ideas. Um, I, I do think there are guys that, that. I think recurrence of injuries is, is a concern, right? And so, like, I I, th- I said that with Adam Thielen, who's a 30-year-old coming off a hamstring. That's one we know recurs. Um, I don't know that we should have as much of a concern with Ingram-specific injuries, uh, but they're, like, foot injuries for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, mm, he's, it's a little scary. <laughs> you're about to find out. <laughs> he's he's 25. Yeah, I know foot injuries can recur, too. I mean, we've had that concern with Julio and a lot of guys. But... Um, He's 25. He's going into his prime. It's just one of those things where I, I I can't write this guy's whole career off. I feel like there's going to be at some point a year where he plays 16 games, and when he does, based on how much volume he's seen per game his whole career, he's going to be a top five tight end, maybe a top three tight end. Uh, he's just such a good athlete and such a good receiving player. So it's just one of those guys that I know people are exhausted with how hurt he's been and he's sunk so many people's teams. But as when I look at this big group from tight end five on, He's the guy that I think has the biggest upside, and, and really it's just can he stay healthy? So I, I agree with a lot of what Ben's saying, um, including the recurring injuries part, because Ingram's had a lot of them. Since the start of 2017, he's had two concussions. He's had an MCL, he's had a hamstring, and he's had foot surgery. 
So th- this isn't a case of where he pulls a hamstring, comes back a little too soon, pulls it again, and has to miss a bunch of time like Adam Thielen had to do last year. He he's he's gotten himself beat up, and I I, I hate it because the potential is there. Uh, Twelve of nineteen games the past two seasons, double digits in PPR points. It's exactly what you're looking for at tight end. If you could promise me that he'd play at least 12 games, I'm taking him as my fifth or sixth tight end because I really like Tyler Higby a lot. But I, I can't count him for all that. But I do agree with you on the point that you made where if you take Ingram and if you want to take a second tight end, it's not that big of a chore. And in fact, it might be kind of fun to hunt and peck for that second tight end on draft day and then carry that tight end. And, and the worst case scenario is you strike out with Ingram and then you strike out with the other tight end. But if one of those tight ends hits, it's going to be good. And if both of them hit, Ingram stays healthy and you get John U. Smith and he ends up being great for Tennessee, then your team's loaded and you can move one of your tight ends. And maybe even it's Ingram. And the case I used to always make with Jordan Reed, another obviously very injury prone tight end, and it never really worked out because Reed's been just so injury prone lately. But if you know a guy's going to be really good when he's on the field, and you do what Dave just said and draft a second tight end, what you're getting from your tight end spot on a week-to-week basis is the Ingram production when he's healthy and the other guy when Ingram's out because you get the advantage of knowing he's not playing that week and you can put someone else in your lineup. That's uh, a more advantageous to your lineup for the full season in terms of your team's tight end production than a player who might um, score more points in Ingram for the full season but not be as good on a week-to-week basis just because that player played 16 games um, because the, their duds are in your lineup, right? Yeah. Like they're active. I, I don't I don't know that we know how good he is yet, though, because his first two seasons, Ingram, he really wasn't good when Beckham played. All of his production basically came without Odell Beckham. And then last year, he had two huge games, week one and week three, 116 yards and a touchdown, 113 yards and a touchdown. He was pretty crap. Like he was pretty lousy. Yeah, I mean, he was usually around fifty yards uh, every other game, and he only scored in one other game. You know, it was it was disappointing. But um, you know, I think it's two years in a row he's been like number seven tight end on a per game basis. Lot to say about him. We will uh, we will get to it. It's June eleventh, so we got plenty of time. I asked for a ten minute segment. I think you guys gave me a seventeen minute segment. You guys always give me a hundred and seventy percent. That's why I love you, Dave and Ben. <laughs> I also love Ben Schrager. We're going to find out if he has ever heard of who's on this show today. Um, has he ever heard of the show Guts? We'll find out when we come back, and we'll talk about the best league rule ideas if you're looking to spice things up a little bit. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, Standard third-row seating. I love that. Available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Do you have them? Ben Schrager, do you have guts? No idea what this refers to. (laughs) How about you, Dave Richard, Mr. Agro Crag over there? Uh, Do you know it? What? Dave? No. I don't think I do. Ben, you know guts, right? 
Yeah, it's like one of those old Nickelodeon yeah. shows, like uh, what's the other one, Legend of the Hidden Temple, Legend and all those shows, yeah, right? Yeah, Guts was Guts was amazing. It's a great... old Nickelodeon shows. To me, an old Nickelodeon show is you can't do that on television. Yeah, not that old. Nickelodeon Guts. It was like a kids' uh, physical type game show where they did things and and then they got like slimed on Guts. Right? Was it slime? I, no, I don't think they got slimed on Guts. I think okay. I think Guts was a slime-free show. Believe it or not. Uh, oh, was, that was Family Double there. Yeah, there's a lot of these old old Nickelodeon shows. Though. This is a good good call. Is that Mark O'Malley who was hosting Guts? I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, we got we got like that. Okay, so no on Guts. Uh, let's keep going on the list. Ben Trager, do you know Ali G? No. Really? Oh, Ali G? Is he like a singer? Uh, <laughs> you know Borat? Yes. Okay, Borat was a character on the Ali G show. Ali G was one of the characters. Borat, Bruno, and Ali G. So it was a Sasha Baron Cohen show. That wasn't even that long ago. God yeah, I thought he had a chance at that one. Yeah, me too. Oh, you know, this will be a fun twist. I'll say a name. Ben and Dave, do you think Ben knows it? And then we'll we'll get the answer. Uh, well, the, 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 the submission was Jaleel White, but I'll change it to Steve Urkel. Steve Urkel, do you think Ben Schrager knows Steve Urkel? Yes. Yeah. Shraggy B? Oh, yeah. A boy can dance. <laughs> okay. And then finally, has Ben ever burned anything downloaded from Napster? Have you ever burned something downloaded from Napster? Ben and Dave, do you think he's burned a CD with Napster songs? I think he knows what this is, but has never done it. I don't think he even knows what it is. I do. No idea. I would ask for iTunes gift cards for Christmas. Get my music that way. No don't idea what, know Napster, what Napster, is. Napster is. Thank you. Wow, Napster was. Uh, you know what? It's it's a safe bet to say no to anything, unless it's like related to sports, like directly related to sports, or like memes. Napster, like. <laughs> no, there's no chance he knew that. Napster was like a big deal. It changed the whole music industry. Yeah, yeah, it did. Michael. Yeah, Malley. but Ben was like four That's... when it happened. I thought maybe he learned about it in a history class. Yeah, I right. I mean, it was, it was a huge <laughs> deal. <laughs> All right, let's get uh, let's get an email of the day from Pat in Ohio. Pat from Ohio, you know him. He says, "What is up, fellas? I'm a proud commissioner of three leagues, and in all three leagues, my roster spots consist of two wide receivers, two running backs, one tight end, one wide receiver tight end flex, and one wide receiver running back tight end flex. I really like the wide receiver tight end flex spot a lot. I feel like this format, I like this format the best since some real NFL teams run two tight end sets." How do you feel about it? So he's got the standard flex, but then he also has just the wide receiver slash tight end flex cannot be a running back. This is a little twist here. Uh, maybe a way to jazz up your league. What do you think about this from Pat in Ohio? And he says, have a lovely evening. <laughs> I've played in a bunch of leagues that do this. Just the wide receiver tight end flex. Years and years ago, we got rid of tight end in my main league and did three wide receiver tight end flex spots. But then, like, nobody really played tight ends. I didn't like that as much. But I've also played in ones that have a dedicated tight end spot, like he describes, plus a wide receiver tight end flex. Um, and the other flex, instead of being all three, is just wide receiver running back. Um, it's actually a super flex league, so there's, like, a, a QB flex as well. But there's one that's only wide receiver and tight end. I like it. I think it's uh, a good way of splitting it out. And, and we know that a lot of tight ends um, kind of play both positions as well. And um i i think if you add too many flexes like you can get people to just go really running back heavy and, and maybe that's not you know the best solution for for fantasy for somebody to be able to start four or five running backs so i i kind of like this well th those people that go running back heavy they'll go to set their lineup and they'll think all right this is awesome i'm going to start four running backs this week and then they realize they can't because one of the flexes won't let you do it so it's, it's, I feel like it's just one of those things that you have to keep in mind. If you've got unique types of flexes, it's a lot easier to handle when if you're in a super flex where you know that most weeks it's going to be a quarterback that you'll start there anyway. Uh, not that you have to, but you probably should unless you've got a really good replacement for the quarterback if your quarterback sucks and whatever. But I, 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 this is one of those things I think people really don't think about until something happens that affects them. And if, yeah. if you know that you're starting, a, you know, a few more receivers or tight ends from week to week or that you might want to start an extra receiver tight end, maybe you prioritize that position a little bit more when you get to the middle of your draft, not necessarily at the beginning of the draft. Okay, so Shraggy B 
got a lot of responses on Facebook and on Twitter of some league rule ideas. So let's see what we got from Facebook. Schrager, you this was your baby, so I'll let you go ahead and read some. Go ahead, read, read the first one from Dave Pitsnoggle. This is the most common response. It was no trade vetoes. So, oh, yeah. Dave, what do you think of this rule? Goes without saying, you shouldn't have trade vetoes at all. Eh, Commissioner should let wrong. everybody act as, you know, Boo. grown adults. <laughs> you make your own decisions. You're in this league. You paid for the league. You run the team the way you want. If you make a dumb trade, a commissioner is not going to help you. If you make an unfair trade, the commissioner can step in and say, all right, look. But that's, that's a trade BS. veto. That, that's a trade veto. Then you veto it. Exactly. That's a trade. That, like, but you it's can't not, be like, there's no trade vetoes. That unless you do that. To... It should be a, a trade that's so bad the rest of the league is in an uproar. Fine. You're yeah. describing a veto. That's and fine. And you veto right. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. If I agree with you, the Dave. League, if everyone else in the league is upset about it and you call that a veto, then fine. But one commissioner vetoing a trade, I am against that completely. So you're good for vetoes against a commissioner veto? If It's got to be like a unanimous league-wide veto. The only time I would allow vetoes, and this is not even when necessarily, it's even more limited than what Dave said. It, there could be unanimous league-wide veto, but if the person vehemently defends their trade and they want that trade, uh, I think oh, we yeah, all have different opinions of, of value because like, I think I may have mentioned this before, but I go back to Cam Newton's rookie year. He was a late round pick in my league and Eric Decker was a, a free agent taken off the, off the waiver wire. And somebody traded Michael Vick, who they had taken in the first round, uh, with the Eagles and Deshaun Jackson, they had taken like the sixth round after like week three for Cam Newton on his hot start and Eric Decker, who he had picked up off off waivers. And everyone was like, "You can't trade your first round pick and your sixth round pick for a fourteenth round pick and a free agent three weeks into the into the year." And that's not good value. But he wanted to make the trade, and we ended up not allowing it. And what happened was, from that point on, Cam Newton and Eric Decker were better. I mean, sometimes. People are just early on something. You have to like you can't decide what's good value and what's not good value. I think the only time you do it is when somebody is not actually interested. I mean, obviously collusion, right? But that, collusion is a hard one. Point. Yeah, collusion is not a, is a hard one to prove. But sometimes people just do it because they don't care enough. And when you like, I think the way you handle it is the commissioner goes and questions that person. Can you defend this trade? And they'll just be like, "Ha, I just did it. I think it's fun. I can do whatever I want," right, kind right. of thing. But if they're not actually trying to make their team better. That's when I think you can get into vetoing. Absolutely. Veto everything. Okay, uh, Ben, why don't you combine our next two? Next two, let's see what – Heat's not here, so can't defend the kicker ban, but Kyle Olsen says no kickers, and Jacob Andrew Biller says kickers should get decimal points. 49-yard field goal, 4.9 points. So where do you guys stand on that? I like that second option better. I'm not in on the ban kickers thing. I think it's a cool idea to give them a point for, or, you know, a decimal point for every yard. I think kickers should be lumped in with DSTs. Interesting. That's, and you can I'm make, you, kickers you can make one. the scoring exactly what you said, Ben, and that that certainly makes it more interesting. And you know, uh, kickers are, I guess, are just like kind of random for fantasy anyway. But I I would rather, and we've been doing this in our mock drafts. We've been we've been removing kickers from our mock drafts and using the extra round so that people can go and get one extra player. And you can do that in your drafts if you eliminate kicker or if you include the kicker with the DST. Or just that round. Band kicker one, and then the scoring would be definitely two. I've never understood why field goal scoring didn't include decimals. Every other, you know, as soon as decimals started, every other yard mattered to the decimal except field goals. A 49-yard field goal was the same as a 40-yard field goal. That made no sense ever to me. All right, keep it going. Do you lose points if you miss a field goal? Another cool so idea. If I you like miss that. a fifty-yard field goal, is that a minus five? No, I think it's like a no. like an interception, like a minus two, maybe a minus one. Not a minus five. I like that. I think Dave. a minus one. All right, all right, I could dig that. Like you know, I never understood in our points leagues in baseball why a stolen base is two points, but a caught stealing is minus one. Should clearly be minus two. All right, Shaggy, we keep going. Christian Elias says your skill player shouldn't lose points on a muffed punt since he can't score you any points in that scenario. So that's if you've got a guy who plays a running back who plays special teams, muffs a punt, it's a minus two. Yeah. I think course. this is ridiculous. Agreed. Well, like it's, you think it's a good idea. Great idea. Terrible current rule. Agreed. Next one. Wait, Next one. if, if ahead, he can, man. if he can return the punt for a TD and get six points, then he should lose points. Right, but if your league doesn't allow special yeah. teams, if your league doesn't allow special teams, you're starting special teams, teams units. Yeah. 
I can agree with that for sure. All right, this one's more controversial. Steven Myerson, QB taking a kneel should not be negative yards. Not, I guess not I agree controversial with that, 100%. at all. Uh, yes, it's a great, great idea. There's nothing worse than Monday Night Football <laughs> losing a fantasy matchup because your quarterback kneels out the win. It's there's nothing worse. I've never. It's never happened to me. I see the complaints all the time, but it's never happened. I've never lost a Monday Night Football game like that. I've won in that scenario. And it's great, <laughs> so I'm kind of in favor of it. <laughs> it's a horrible rule. Yeah, get away with get get do away with it. Call uh, this sack. next one. Yeah, call a sack is fine. Uh, Ray Zegri says ditch PPR for points per first down. Or like Dave said earlier, 0.5 PPR, 0.5 first down. What do you guys think of the first down scoring? I feel like you accomplish more. It, it's an accomplishment to catch a pass in a football game, right? And and that's what we're doing. We're rewarding stats for accomplishments. But getting a first down is a pretty big deal too. So I, I either like the combo or, and maybe we should do a little bit more of this with our drafts. It's just more no PPR and full point per first down. The old PPFD. Well, so my issue with that is you're kind of just replacing one issue with another. Everyone hates PPR because, oh, some of these catches are at the line of scrimmage. You don't get any yards. A reception doesn't matter. You shouldn't get a point for a catch behind the line of scrimmage. Well, first downs are a lot like touchdowns sometimes where the person who scores them is not necessarily the person who deserves it or got you the closest. Like just because a fullback runs in a one-yard TD or, you know, a one-yard run potentially – doesn't necessarily to, to convert a first down doesn't necessarily mean they were that, that player. And it actually happens quite a bit um, where any, essentially any completion that's not a first down, you know, these eight, nine yard completions, they wind up being rushing first downs a lot of the time, not every time, but it happens quite a bit. Running backs rack up a lot more first downs and um, it, it impacts receivers negatively compared to PPR because not every catch is a point and all these eight, seven, nine yard completions that don't go for first downs, I, I like the half and half. Like I, I don't I don't want to ruin one issue with the other. So we we minimize the value of these zero yard catches, but we also don't overdo it to where we're giving a bunch of value for two yard in clouded us runs out of goal line formations on third and one. You know that's the I don't like that. Adam, this one's for you. <laughs> Brett Greaser says swap one bench player into your lineup if they go off. You can only do it once a year. You swap the bench guy retroactively. Ooh. Mm. I don't think so. I think that's too unfair. I love it. Even if it's once a year? I can't I don't think you can do it once a year because then what if it happens to the same guy? Imagine being on the other side where everyone used their one time against you <laughs> just because that's how it worked out. That would suck. I, I mean, think maybe, so much fun, maybe you give every, <laughs> maybe you, you give every fantasy done manager. To you, do you get the right to swap out a player after the fact too? Well, or maybe you get I'd one one yes. veto a year. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like you get one chance. Play, could I, could I play a little defense? Could I play a little defense and say, okay, uh, you can swap out one player, but I get to take another player from your lineup and put them on the bench for somebody else. Maybe that's not right. Maybe it's just you also get to replace a player. You get rebuttal, I think, if someone does it against you. But that that counts as your one for the whole year. No, I, don't, I think. I, I don't no, know. See, about if someone that. does like it that. to you. You should get a freebie that time. It's like getting a challenge successful. You get an extra challenge. Wait, I, how about how about if you do this? You swap one bench player into your lineup if they go off. Maybe allow it only once per season. It has to be during the early games, either Thursday or uh, 1 p.m. on Sunday. You have to have some level of uncertainty about whether or not you're going to win. Yeah, I like that. You can't. Just, it can't be a mathematical equation. It, yeah. Maybe the other it has way to we've... be done before the Sunday night game. The other way we've talked no, about this I think is before the four bench Or maybe spots. it has to be done before that player's game ends. Yeah, I would like that. Oh, I, I like that yeah. where there's uncertainty. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> you swap someone in and then the person you took out goes off of the fourth quarter or something. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> you the other way we, we've talked about this, though, and I added into uh, a column that we wrote in our magazine that you should read. It's on uh, newsstands everywhere. Um, that we talked a little bit about the you know some of these ideas. And one of the, the notes I had was like, make a couple of the bench spots. We talked about this on the show like back in January, but a couple of the bench spots, backup spots, and you have to dictate them before the week. And you do this every week and not everyone on your bench. It's not full best ball, but you have a couple spots in case somebody gets hurt in the first quarter or something. You do have somebody that swaps in if he plays better. I like that. So that matches up with bluegrass resistance suggestion 
a halftime substitution. If someone gets hurt in the first half, you can dedicate one player to be that sub. Love that. I do think once upon a time, yeah, I do like that idea. We had a fantasy game on CBS where you could do that in game. And it wasn't a once a year type thing. You could do it every week, but it was before the time of iPhones and mobile devices and instantaneous notifications. And so it didn't really work then, but it could work now because people are so locked into their fantasy games and we have ways to contact people and everybody carries their cell phone with them most of the time. Uh, if, if you got an alert on your phone, Julio Jones went out first quarter against New Orleans. Would you like to replace him now? Well, of course, everybody's going to stop what they're doing and, and replace him with someone on their fantasy bench. So this is, is it, it's just this for could injury? be a direction where fantasy goes in the future for sure. This is just for injury, we're saying? Just for injury. Yeah. Yeah. And it says you get the first half points from one player and the second half points for the other, and the player can't have started their second half. So you don't get that other player's full game. You just get a second half. Mm. So now what happens if Julio's playing in the 1 o'clock game and he gets hurt in the first half, and I want to replace him with Philip Dorsett, who's now with Seattle, and he's got a late game? You only I'm get Dorsett's second, second half? Yeah. Not the whole <laughs> game? That. Yeah. Fun. Okay. okay, listen. Whatever it is, you'll take it because nothing's worse than having – you know, DJ Moore gets hurt and he's gone for the game. That happened late last year. Crush people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, ben, why don't we go? And by the way, there has to be some like it can't be a quarterback. You know, you can only substitute a quarterback for a quarterback. You, you cannot. Yeah, it has to be same position. Same position. Well, okay. what if it's super flex? Then you can only. Then you're fine. If it's no, super flex, I am not can okay I put in Taysom Hill and only get a second half receiving? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to the tweets, Ben. What are people saying on Twitter? All right, first tweet, JVK, you should be able to trade fab dollars. I already do this in a lot of leagues. Yeah, that's yep. that's fine. Good one. Mike Franco, DST points for a fourth down stand. Oh, yeah. I like that, that too. That makes sense. Yeah. Hey, could could you trade waiver positions? What do, like uh, for trading what do you fab get? dollars. Yeah. Like a player? Yeah, I'll give you this player. You let me have your, your spot on waivers this week. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's the same thing as saying pick up this guy off waivers for me if you want this player for your waiver spot, right? And then right. do it after the fact. But I don't see why you shouldn't be able to do it before. I love this fourth down the, stand though. It's a turnover. It's a turnover on downs. Why do we not? Yeah, get it should two be worth. It? it should be worth two points, just like yeah. any other turnover. Mm-hmm. Would be. Yeah. yeah, but does it matter? Like at the end of the game, every team is going for it. Fourth and twenty-five. You should get two points for that. That's a I good point. Think so. I mean, technically, yeah, because it's a turnover. It's a stand. Some of those situations that I mean, that defense won that game, and they're they're getting these late stands. Sometimes they didn't even get a lot of points because of how the game went. Well, they should sure. get some points there. They won. Yeah, they did good. I like it. And it's not it's yeah, not any different true. than like oh, hail mary at the end of the first half gets intercepted, and right? It plays meaningless, and you get two points for it. True. All right. What All else? Right, last one. This is right up Ben Gretch's alley from Philly TM. I want three wide receivers and two flexes for every. 10 to 12 team league. The more the merrier. Yes. 22 round draft, real deep teams. Go for it. Five receivers, four flexes. Put it on the board. I don't see <laughs> no, a reason I mean, why not to like have more more lineup spots. It's let's let's start that already. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. This, so what, this what are is some great. Of the, this is a great start. What Three are some of the best great. suggestions that we saw today? Some of your they were all really good. There's a lot kicker of stuff that we can points. take to our developers for sure. Kick kicker decimal points is great. I think the fourth down stand kicker decimal DSCs. points we can already do on CBS. Yeah, I'm assuming Schrager cultivated these from a lot of comments, and he picked some really good ones. So, Schrager, what were some Schrager of the bad ones? ones? Well, there, there were most of the ones that were bad were stuff that you could just do. You could ask your commissioner to do. Some of it's hard logistically. The first half, second half scoring, the, even the muff punts, it's hard in a box score to, to, to figure out where the fumble came from. You have to kind of go to the play-by-play level. So some of it I understand the logistical stuff on where you don't know where the stats came from. But like the field goal thing should be done now. Turnover on downs should be easy to do now. I mean, I don't, I don't know that that shows up in a box score, but it should be easy to do. T- QB taking a new knee should be negative yards. I'm all on that too. I like the the... Uh, half a point for the first down and switching to half PPR, half point for a first down. 
I mean, I like all these. The the most impactful one would be the substitute for an injured player. Yeah. That would be one that I think is really worth looking into. You guys want to hear some that might not be as popular? Sure. Okay. These are these are some of the ones that I remember from years and years of listening to people pitch ideas. Here's one. You get a point if your player is on the field, even if somebody else scores the touchdown. So on, if it's a scoring play and the running back scores, but you've got the receiver on the team, you get a point. The worst idea Hate I've ever it. heard. Yeah, awful. No. Goal line touchdown should count for half. Ooh, Not like terrible. It. I like it. No, it's a touchdown. Yeah, but all, it's valuable. It's bad. It's one actually pretty yard. Bad. It's pretty versus bad. you know somebody that's going to go and get a long yard. My argument to that is, well, if someone scores a long touchdown run, you get up the points for the yardage anyway. You get the yards. Yeah. If it's okay. a short TD, if there's a, like I would say, if you're going to do something like that, you should give the other half of the touchdown points to the longest play on the drive. Whoever had the longest play on the drive. If there was a 20 yard run that set up a, a one yard touchdown run, the 20 yard run gets half the touchdown points. But what if what if the longest play on the drive is a penalty? But hold on, what, pass what interference call? What if somebody gets stopped inside the one yard line or at the one yard line, and then another player scores a touchdown? What if you split the touchdown points? But it's vulture. It's just one saying. of the most fun things. In well, fantasy, you weren't really right? saying that. You said to the longest play on the drive. I'm saying specifically, <laughs> quotes, maybe. somebody gets inside the one yard line, doesn't score. Next play, running back runs it in. Now AJ Brown and Derrick Henry split those points. Right. And what if it's not even? What if it's like a a, a big fullback that anything it? anything that takes points away from Derrick Henry and gives them to AJ? Yeah, Brown, I, that's why I, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get I'd get you on board. All right. Last last possibly bad idea. Any points in obvious garbage time. So if a team's down 21 plus in the fourth quarter, cut in half. Call this a Blake Bortles rule. Yeah. It's just game script though, right? If your team is up by a lot, your running back's going to get a ton of points. Do you then cut that running back's points because the team was up by a lot? I mean, technically it's garbage points, right? This is a this is the worst one yet. So no. one of the ways that you yeah, can impact this, and, and Scott Fish did it in the Scott Fish Bowl this year, is to to give quarterbacks negative points for like incompletions and things like that. They, they tend to throw more in, in garbage time. They tend to throw more completions in garbage time and more interceptions, and, and he has negative four points for an interception as well and negative one for every incompletion. So the Jameis Winston-type stat lines, he's the guy that's like most affected by that change where he would rack up so many yards and, and even touchdowns, but also rack up interceptions and a lot of incompletions. Um, in the traditional scoring, James Winston could be a top five quarterback in that type of scoring where there's more negative for bad quarterback events and these garbage time events. He goes down to like, the, I think it was like the 14th quarterback or something. Wow. It's a huge change. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Well, thank you everybody for the suggestions. Dave, thank you for the horrible suggestions at the end there. Fun stuff. Let's make some changes. Let's put this in action. For the record, action. they weren't suggestions. I, I totally made it clear that they weren't necessarily good suggestions. I know. I thought that was fine. And I'm not going to out the person who came up with those suggestions. Oh, I didn't even tell you the person? worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Can you, What's please? that? You got to tell us now. The worst, the worst one I've ever heard, and I'm not going to say who came up with it, uh, other than it's a former CBS employee, wanted to create a mechanism where fantasy managers could pay to change their lineups <laughs> and, and have it count. So <laughs> the, the idea of putting in a good player who's on the bench, you'd pay $10 to CBS and CBS would make that change for you in your league. That oh, would not even to well. the league pot. It oh, yeah, doesn't terrible. go to the league pot. doesn't <laughs> go to the commissioner. doesn't go to the, the guy you're playing against. It goes to CBS. I looked at him and I said, are you crazy? People are going to leave in droves if you do that. It's not worth it for even, you know, for any amount of money. The integrity goes out the window. In the yeah, league pot, the league pot, you know, now you're just talking about hardcore capitalist league, which, you know, maybe, I don't know. I am going it's to start worst idea ever. I'm going to start compiling a new statistic this year, guys. I thought maybe it could be done oh, no. in an automated. No, no, this is. I think everybody's going to like this. Maybe some people are already doing it. I don't know. I'm going to start multiplying fantasy points by start percentage, so we can see the players that are actually contributing the most to fantasy teams. Love it. Yeah, I actually like that. But what, at what point do you multiply? You're going to do that on a weekly basis. Yeah, every week. Okay. I, the only I, look. I should say I want to do this. There has to be a way to export the, this start yeah, percentage. Right. Data. So you, otherwise, I'm not it doing can be it. done, Adam. We don't need to talk about. But like James White, for example, he had one huge game against the Texans. Luckily, I had his start percentage in my notes. He was started in 34 percent of leagues that week. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, I love I, I think it's not gonna be great necessarily just for one year, but when you can compile this year over year and find out, well, yeah, he finished top twelve or whatever, but but he was on the bench for like three of his good games. You know, that happens year after year with some players. Yeah. I think it could be useful. Dude, All this right. is I mean, that's honestly like a really good idea because it's a big reason why like we look at like league winners late in the year who have these really good stretches, we're starting them every week. We're all experiencing how good it was. And then we go look at the year and numbers and even their points per game, it doesn't seem quite as good. And then you compare it to, you know, stuff like James White, like you were saying, where if he's really boom or bust and he's typically not very good or, you know, he's not in, in a lot of lineups when he's doing well. Like, I, I think that's a, a good way to get at the players that are actually impacting fantasy championships and, and wins and all that. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it came to me when I was um, crushing everyone in poker the other night. Uh, <laughs> actually, I've been wanting to do this for years. Oh, so right anyway, here, <laughs> here are some Apple podcast questions from Great White Hark. Dear Clint, Tony, Bruce, and Peter. Those are comic book characters. Yeah, that's the Marvel Universe, right? Probably. Sure, why not? You answered yes. a question in one of the recent pods about robust running back draft strategy. What would a strategy be for the opposite, taking three wide receivers in the first four rounds? The old zero RB, right? Yep. Well, but, you have you one know, running back. A little bit there. of a concentration on wide receivers. Nothing right. wrong with it in PPR. I, I, I would hesitate to do it in non-PPR. And, and you can even, he said, take three in the first four. You can take one running back, and it obviously wouldn't be the, you know, the, the strict zero RB idea, but it would be essentially like a modified zero RB. It's the same kind of solo strategy. RB. Yeah. You're not solo RB. I like it. You're not getting um, the, the, the argument for doing that is running backs get hurt um, at a higher rate, and you're, you, the more running backs you take early, robust running back, you're going to be able to. Um, start some of those running backs, even if others get hurt, you're, you're building some depth. Um, zero RB is like, we're going to completely avoid or one RB. We're going to try to completely avoid that risk and hope that we hit on some upside late round running backs that end up playing like top players. Cause you do see those guys occasionally. And then you can build just a dominant team because you have these elite receivers and everything else. So it's a different strategy, but it works from swimmy. It, Joe. It got a question from swimmy Joe. Uh, I'm in a 10-team dynasty league, half PPR. Should I trade Chris Godwin and my 2020 2.6 pick for A.J. Brown and the 2020 1.2 pick? Godwin and 2.6 for A.J. Brown and 1.2 of this year's rookie draft. I mean, I'll let Dave answer first. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what you're going to say, Ben. Uh, I'm sticking with Godwin in the 2.06. I think you're crazy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it 1.02? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I misread it. I'm taking it back. Yeah, I'm you taking You can get Brown either Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And you get A.J. Brown. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. I thought it said 2.02. Okay. That's no, what I get for not listening to Adam. I wonder how this guy got First the nickname Swimmy Joe. Uh, probably a great story there. And last one. No name on this one, sorry. I'm not even convinced AJ Brown's a downgrade from Chris Godwin, but we, we can move on. I have the okay. number one pick in my darn dynasty startup draft, and I want to trade down. How much should I try to get for the number one pick in a dynasty startup draft? This would be a great time to use Heath's dynasty trade chart yeah, and see what the drop-off is from Christian McCaffrey to um, not a running back like Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, but someone a notch down from there. Maybe it's Nick Chubb, who I think is a really good long-term running back for Dynasty. And whatever that difference is, that's what you should ask for. Yeah, and then go find the player that's worth that amount and see like what type of pick it is. I, I think Dave's absolutely right. It depends how right. far you're trading back. It's like sixth back. overall or something like that. Well, yeah, it depends how far you're trading back. If you're trading back to, to fifth or whatever, I, I, I'm fine adding just like a third round or fourth round. If, if somebody's going to give you to come back from 101 to like 105 and also a top you know 30 or 40 dynasty player like that's a that's a pretty big addition that's a win it's a yeah. win plain and simple but on the flip side you are giving up McCaffrey you are giving up McCaffrey he is i mean pretty it's it's damn not good he's yeah. he's chart is a, is a great piece of advice he, so i pulled up Heath's chart and two trades that he would make are the last pick in the first round first pick in the second round for McCaffrey or that 1.05 pick plus a late third rounder for McCaffrey. A late third rounder. That makes sense to me. Well, right, but guys. it wouldn't necessarily be a late third rounder because if, if you're dealing with yeah, the person that's, that's got 1.05, he's going to have a you know the fifth pick in the third round. Yeah. So try and get that pick. So the that's one in the what three. You're for. 
All right, well, uh, why don't you just ask for one and two first and then go, all right, I'll take one and three. Well, of course, that's what you should do. But yeah, easier people, trade. You know. Everybody, thanks so much for the great suggestions. Fun show today. We'll talk to you. We got four episodes next week. We'll break down the top 30 on Monday. Then we'll do sleepers, breakouts, and busts on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks again for listening. For Dave, for the Benz, I'm Adam. Na-na-na-na-na-na. Nah. Nah.